You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show lined up for you today. Jim Mayfield with the Department of Commerce will be our second guest. to be live here in the studio in just a little bit. And before that, we have an author. Yes, we do, ladies and gentlemen, author of Content Incorporated. Joe Polizzi is our guest, and he's going to be on the phone calling in from points other than Orange County, California. You know, this show is brought to you by our advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, and we support 1OC. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Rick Franzi. CEO Peer Groups is our Twitter handle. And on your favorite podcasting software, type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show, and you'll get the weekly updates of our show that streams live here on octalkradio.net. And you can also watch our videos on our YouTube channel, Richard Franzi. All right, Joe, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Rick, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. You know, I understand if our guests are looking for daily lessons and keys to apply to their business and to themselves, I think they have to maybe look no further than you, Joe, because you help them walk along the path of your journey that brought you to bringing business owners, developers, and people into content marketing. So let's start the interview. We're going to talk about your book, Content Incorporated. Uh, in a little bit, but tell me a little bit about your professional path, Joe. Well, actually, you know, I st- I've been in the publishing industry for almost 16 years now, and uh, started working with brands a long time ago that that didn't just want to advertise, didn't want to do paid media, thought there was a better way to communicate with customers, and got into this industry that we call content marketing today, and uh, started the Content Marketing Institute back in 2007, and. It's just been an interesting ride to see the amount of companies that are realizing that they can now communicate directly with their customers, but they actually have to follow a program. They have to have a strategy where, you know, how do I create valuable, relevant, and compelling information on an ongoing basis to my customers, just like a media company does on a consistent basis. And it's just been an interesting ride to see how fast-growing this field is. And, you know, I've been around now. I used to have hair when I first started in the business, and, now, uh, now I'm, I'm kind of the, an older elder statesman in it, but it's just been fun to see how many businesses are being able to communicate in a different way and not just say, hey, here's my product and how great it is, but actually build relationships with customers. And we're talking with Joe Polizzi, and he is the author of his latest book, Content Incorporated. You know, today, I think the idea of content marketing is much more understood. It's it, The term resonates with, I'm sure, a larger segment of our audience, which are CEOs who are running you know, middle market companies. But in 2007, Joe, uh, that probably was not the case. So you gave up a six-figure job to bootstrap this startup. Can you share with us why you made that decision in 2007 to leave the security of a six-figure job to become an entrepreneur in this space? Well, my friends told me that I was absolutely crazy. So that <laughs> that was that might have been a reason for it. You know, I just really felt that's where the market was going. You could see that because there were no barriers to entry with publishing, uh, because social media and search engine optimization were just coming into their own, and because of all the new channels that were available for consumers to get information, that advertising and paid media and traditional marketing just wasn't going to be as effective. So as you thought about it, I'm like, wow, you know, there might be an opportunity here to look at brands out there are going to have to communicate differently because of the fact that their customers can ignore their messages at will. And if we just realize, and that's how it is today, but, you know, back in 2007, you know, maybe a little more people didn't, especially 2001 when I really got started in this thing, people did not see that company coming. Now we know it. We know that uh, our consumers have a 24-7 device with them at all times. They can get whatever information they want, and that means if you're a business today and you want to get their attention, you better be talking about something that's pretty relevant. You better be talking about something that's absolutely focused on your consumer's pain points. And, you know, just happen. <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of fortunate circumstances along the way. I mean, from 2007 to 2010, I got to tell you, you know, we went through the great, uh, the great recession, and it was a tough uh, thing to hold on. And I absolutely thought that uh, I would have to go back and get a real job and, and find another uh, path, if you will. Uh, but you know, 2010, 2011 really started to take off. A lot of money went into the content marketing industry. People started to use the term, understand it, like you're talking about a little bit more. 
and now we are here in uh, 2015, and it's probably the fastest-growing area of marketing right now. So, Joe, I feel your pain. I started Critical Mass for Business, my CEO peer group business here in Southern California, in October of 2007. So, oh, there you go. Uh, you know, we're buddies. Well, congratulations, because <laughs> many a great firm were born out of a recession, and you and I started our businesses in the greatest of recessions, so hopefully that means we're going to build some pretty great organizations here between the two of us. Amen okay? to that, absolutely. So we got about two minutes, Joe, and then I'm going to take a, a commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about your book, Content, Inc. Sure. So we don't have time in two minutes to get into it, and I don't want to do you that disservice. But can we end this segment with you defining, from your perspective, what content marketing is and isn't. Can you do that in two minutes? Absolutely, okay. yes. I can do it in two, less than two minutes. Content marketing is a practice. It's a way of going to market. It's a way of communicating where you're going to say, look, I'm going to, going to create valuable, compelling, and relevant content targeted to a very specific audience, build an audience with them over time, a relationship with them over time so that they know, like, and trust me more, and ultimately I'll seek some kind of profitable behavior from my customers. That doesn't mean you're going to do, oh, and whenever I throw out a video or a blog post or whatever, this is just like a media company does where you're creating consistent content, whether that be blog posts on a daily basis, a weekly podcast, a monthly or a weekly video show where you're trying to build an audience of subscribers and you do it over time and it takes a while, but it is definitely the opposite of paid media where you're saying, uh, hey, here I want to advertise. Hey, look at my product and services is great. Or you're going to do some kind of advertisement instead of the advertisement. You are trying to be the content they want to engage in, and instead of monetizing it like media companies do through paid advertising sponsorship or paid media of some kind, you ultimately want to see them, your customers, buy more products and services. Is it repurposing other people's content, or is it originally created organic information that the companies create? I think that in a lot of very smart uh, content programs, you see some syndicated, you see some reused content, but I've never seen a successful one that doesn't lead with original content on a consistent basis. And I agree with you. I think that's part of the key. We're going to come right back after this commercial break with Joe Polizzi. We're going to be talking about his book, Content Incorporated, and you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. Joe, I can't wait to come back and have this conversation about your new book. Sounds good. Okay, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, after these words. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. I just want to share with you my experience as a member of Center Club. Many of you know that I've been a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa, California for over four years. I hold my monthly CEO peer group meetings, my annual executive conference, which is coming up next Monday, October the 5th, and my daily business meetings at the club. I found the staff to be professional and courteous. My guests enjoy meeting at the Center Club with its newly remodeled meeting rooms, dining rooms, and common areas. If you're looking for a place to conduct meetings, host events, or meet some of Orange County's most successful business leaders, then consider joining Center Club in Costa Mesa. For more information regarding Center Club membership and their private events, contact them at their website, www.center-club.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Joe Polizzi is our guest. He's author of Content Incorporated. Just want to let you know before we get back to an interview with Joe that all of our shows are available on Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, 
literally several hundred companies' websites whose CEO has been a guest on our radio show, and the company has placed that interview on their website somewhere, usually on their homepage, and as well as other business-oriented podcasting services. Each month, we have several thousand. Last month, it was 14,000, but generally, we get five to 10,000 downloads a month based on the guests from our audience. So if you'd like to subscribe... Go to your favorite podcasting software, type in Critical Mass Radio Show, and you'll get our weekly updates. If you'd like to listen live, check us out here on octalkradio.net. All right, let's get back to Joe. Joe, tell me the inspiration for you to write your latest book. Oh, man. So this is my fourth book, and the other three books that I wrote were specifically targeted to large enterprises. We work at Content Marketing Institute. We work with mostly very large enterprise companies. And I wanted to write this book, and I wanted it to really be about our story at CMI, how we went from, like we were talking about before, we went from nothing, I bootstrapped it, didn't have any money or resources, and we took it to, you know, in in seven years, we took it to the fastest-growing business media company, according to Inc. Magazine in North America, and I'm like, that's pretty cool, I wanted to tell that story, and then I realized, nobody cares about that, nobody cares about me or CMI, I've got to come up with a better idea for a book. So I took the premise of the book, which is the premise for the business was build an audience first and then sell products and services once you've built a loyal audience. And I went out searching, and we had an editorial and a research team that went out, and we searched for as many of these examples out there that we could find of companies that were building an audience first through you know whatever mechanism, whether it was videos, whether it was blog posts, whether it was podcasts, whether it was events, and they were then launching multi-million dollar platforms and believe it or not, Rick, we found dozens and dozens and dozens all over the world that were wow. doing this. So as we were going in and we were doing this research on the topic, we actually reverse engineered. After they told us the story and we looked at their business models, we reverse engineered what they were doing. And this is what I can't believe, Rick, is there actually was a model there. Every company followed the same six steps, not in the same time periods, but they absolutely followed the same six steps. I was like, oh, my God, wow. we actually found something. We actually found maybe a better way that a business can go to market and have a business model or maybe a way that a mid-market company or large enterprise could really target a niche audience in order for them to do something different, maintain or change some behavior. So that's sort of the, the, the start of it was very selfish. I yeah. really wanted to write this book and tell the story of what we were doing. But it really turned into this, you know, amazing gift of what these companies and remarkable businesses were doing, and maybe other businesses can learn from the failures that we all went through to get there. We're talking with Joe Polizzi here on Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Content Incorporated, his fourth book, is what we're talking about. So it sounds like, Joe, what you found is they were all using the same ingredients, but they might have had a slightly different recipe for how they mixed them to come up with this. But that that is an amazing... I love that when that happens, where you where you get things that are transferable knowledge. So can you share some of those six steps with our audience? I, some of them. I'll share the whole thing. All right, there you go. That's, hey, I'm in the content marketing business. We give everything <laughs> away. So... Um, so, so basically what Excellent. we found is with all of these examples that we talk about in the book, everyone followed these same six steps. We call this the Content Inc. model. So first of all, you've got to find your sweet spot. The sweet spot is the intersection of, on the one side, what am I, if I'm an entrepreneur, what am I super passionate about? What am I going to get up every day and create content around? Or a significant customer pain point that I end up focusing on and, and I'm passionate about. That's on the one side. And on the other side is some area of authority, some area of knowledge and skill that, that I have more than somebody else. That's the sweet spot. Now, Rick, everybody can define the sweet spot. It's pretty easy to actually find this. What nobody does is the second point. I think it's the most important step of all, and we call it the content tilt. And this is where you look at an area, you look and identify a very specific audience, and you find an area of little to no content competition where you can actually have a fighter's chance to cut through all the clutter out there. What most businesses do is they start creating content that's just like everyone else, just like every one of their competition. And what we found in all these remarkable businesses is that they really targeted a very specific audience, and they had a really, really unique story to tell in every one of the case studies. So sweet spot, content tilt. First of all, we haven't created any content yet, still in strategy. Then we do the work. Building the base is step three. And this is the, this, I love this. This is maybe my favorite thing outside of the content tilt, Rick. We found a formula that every one of these 
businesses created a platform of, of amazing audiences through these four things. One, they picked the content type to focus on. Is it audio? Is it video? Is it textual? Then they said, hey, let's, what's our content platform? Is it iTunes? Is it YouTube? Is it uh, my blogger website? They consistently delivered content, maybe every Monday or they blog every day or e-newsletters every Saturday, consistently over time. That's it. It is the least complex formula you will ever find. And I think it's the simplicity that's beautiful about it because most businesses today are like, oh, I've got to spread all this content on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Blab and everything else out there. But the winning formula is actually to focus on one platform and one content type. Then we harvest the audience. Most of the case studies, most of the businesses focused on email subscribers over everything else. They tried to transfer iTunes and YouTube subscribers and Facebook fans all into email subscribers where they had the most control, and that led to monetization. Step five, diversification. So we don't go and we don't do all these different content programs right off the start. We First, we build the base like we talked about. Then we diversify. Then we go ahead and create the podcast. Then we go ahead and do these awesome e-books. Then we do these awesome videos. And then we do a, a mini magazine or whatever the case is. Those are always secondary to grow our audience and to grow our reach. And then the last step is monetization. And really what we found, Rick, was you find a difference between those that subscribe to your content and those that don't. So what we found in all situations are subscribers end up buy, you know, buying some people's events. Like in our case, our subscribers, they go to our events like Content Marketing World. Uh, in copy blogger media standpoint, they buy his software as a service. He's become one of the fastest growing software companies in the world but he, he generated 200,000 subscribers first. Ann Reardon is a baking queen of Sydney, Australia, has 2 million subscribers on YouTube. She generates a ton through native advertising sponsorship and through merchandising sales. So everyone has a different revenue model, but they all follow these same amazing steps. And even I read it, every time I read it, Rick, I still can't believe it that they all did it in that order and, uh, and all went through the same struggles. And, and the hope is... Now a business has the recipe, and you can actually do this if you commit to it. We're talking with Joe Polizzi, and we're talking about the content in his book, Content Incorporated. It's his fourth book. And, um, Joe, I want to kind of go back. We have about four minutes left here on the show, and I, I wanted to ask you a couple um, follow-up questions on your six steps. Going back up to step number two, which is the content tilt. When, when you interviewed these companies that were successful getting through that stage, is is there was there a key learning that you got because i could see people could get lost there and if they make the wrong or an inappropriate selection the, the rest of the things that they could do could be sub-optimized because they didn't pick the right tilt correctly what would be your advice for that the the, the biggest thing that i can say is what we really found is that they really focused on a small niche audience they and what a lot of businesses will do is they'll go wide, right? Oh, we want to target as many people as they can. Right. If you do that, your content becomes irrelevant. Their content was so relevant because they focused on a very small slice. And what happened is that slice actually ended up being quite big because they grew the market themselves from the interest in there. So I would say my advice would be focus on the smallest possible audience you can where you can be the most relevant with your content. Okay, and don't worry that you've selected down to sm too small of a niche for your aspirational goals, goals for your company, because that's what I find. The entrepreneurs want to keep it big so that they can create the next Procter & Gamble or something. Here's the most amazing thing, Rick. Rick, I've never seen anyone go too small. Okay. I've never seen it happen, so don't worry about going too small. Okay, good. Well, we've got about three minutes left, so we're going to move through these questions. I'm sure people are getting a lot of good content. We're going to tell them how to get your book um, towards the end of the interview, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll give you that valuable information. You you might have answered it in your subsequent discussion, but point four, when you talked about um, really focusing on getting their emails and email subscriptions, tell me why that is a tipping point or an accelerator for this model to work. Well, there, first off, this is how I would treat social. And by the way, I'm, I'm not a social media hater. I'm, I'm very active in all the social media channels that make sense for my business, Twitter right. and LinkedIn specifically. Right. But I always get up in the morning thinking that they won't exist tomorrow and I won't have access to my connections. Okay. Why? We've already seen it happen. We've already seen Facebook take away any rights for, for our fans to see our organic traffic. Less than 1% of our organic updates are actually seen by our audience from a business perspective. Google Plus is already through their second reorganization. They'll probably die. So we've, got, we've had all this investing in other people's platforms. Email is where we have the most control. 
email is also where we can actually get the most behavior change. And it's just amazing. So we build our database. We learn more about them through the, them giving us their email names. And then when people are more than willing to actually buy from an offer an email when the time is right. And over and over again, we've found that to be true. As long as it's a relevant offer and it makes sense to them, they will actually open the email and they will take action with it. And what size is critical mass for, did you find in these companies, how many names in their email engaged database? I mean, how many do they have to have before it's actually, you can move on to step five? Here's what was interesting, because in Brian Clark, calls it, who wrote the foreword for the book, he calls this minimum viable audience. Okay. What we found was, it's not a number, it was the fact that a decision was made that they were going to go and get a subscription number before they were going to go to monetization. So for us at Content Marketing Institute, that was 10,000 email subscribers. For Social Media Examiner, who's now a multi-million dollar uh, social media company, theirs was 10,000 as well. For Matthew Patrick, who is one of the most followed YouTubers on the planet, I think he's got well over 5 million follower, uh, subscribers on YouTube right now, his decision was 500,000. So it's just interesting that they all made a decision to say, look, we are going to focus on building an audience and getting it up to this point over time. And then once we hit that level, then we're going to go into monetization and launch our product, our service, or whatever the case is. So it's focus on that number, get to that number, focus on the needs of the audience, and then once you hit that number, then you can go into monetization mode. So, Joe, if someone wants to buy your book, how do they do that? How do they get a copy of Content Inc.? Fairly easy to do that. Um, the best way to go is go to content-inc.com. We've got a free chapter there, uh, and we've got the, all the different ways you can uh, get access to the book and the audio version as well as sign up for the podcast and, and get information that way as well. Well, you know, this time has just gone by so quickly. I have a list of other questions that I had planned to ask you and more about beyond the book, what else you're doing in the content marketing space because you are a, a, uh, a trailblazer here, Joe, and you've created a community of like-minded individuals so maybe we can get you back in the future and we can talk about some of the other things beyond content content incorporated i would love to do that rick please right. let, let's make that a date I, I will have my producer contact you and we will follow up on that my friend <laughs> and good sir and i i love what you've done here and the summary that you've given of your book is very compelling and i hope that members of our audience will take the next step and engage with your brand to learn more about content marketing excellent thanks for the time truly appreciate it i appreciate it joe have a good day you too thank you all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Polizzi. He is the author of Content Incorporated. As I told you at the open, the director of the Department of Commerce, U.S. Export, is here. He's in the house. Jim Mayfield is our next guest, so don't go anywhere in less than two minutes. We're going to be back talking with Jim about the work that his firm, his firm, yeah, his organization does to help firms like yours expand your sales through exports. Stay tuned after these words from our sponsors. Are you looking for your successor? Someone as dedicated and experienced in their field as you? Executives Unlimited delivers the top executive talent you need for your company's long-term success. 98% of our clients re-engage us for additional hires, and over 90% of the executives placed by us since 2007 are still in their positions or have been promoted. That's twice the industry's average retention rate. How do we do this? Dedication. Executives Unlimited believe success isn't success until it's long-term. Call us to invest in your long-term success. 562-627-3800 or visit us at executivesunlimited.com. Let our long-term success leverage yours. of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's my cell, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. Welcome. 
Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and as promised, Jim Mayfield, who is director of the U.S. Department Export Assistance Center here in Irvine, California, is in the studio. Jim, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Great. Thanks for having me on. It's great to see you. It's good to see you again, my friend. I would like to let the audience know that all of our shows can be heard anytime on Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, Hundreds of guests, former guests' websites. We're streaming live right now on octalkradio.net. And if you'd like to listen to the show on a regular basis, type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your favorite podcasting software, and you'll get our weekly updates. All right, Jim, before we talk about what you do, let's talk a little bit about your background. Can you tell me about your path to your current position with the Department of Commerce? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started out about 20 years ago with the Department of Commerce as an intern. And I got uh, connected with our folks uh, in Washington, D.C., because I had been studying Chinese language and culture, and an internship position opened up. I grabbed it, and that led me to L.A., where we were organizing a big event focused on the Pacific Rim, something that USC hosts every year called the Asia-Pacific Business Outlook Conference. So as an intern, I came out to L.A. about 20 years ago, met a lot of great folks at that conference, was hired by the Department of Commerce full-time. Wow to work for our office in Beijing uh, as an assistant, uh, and then from there uh, kept on with the department and worked in different cities around the world and finally ended up here in Irvine. Okay, so of all the places in the world that you've lived, how does Southern California compare? No comparison, right? Uh, (laughs) That's a safe answer. (laughs) It doesn't compare. I I will tell you this. In every place, I've always felt like I've been in the right spot. Right. Now, you you probably compare and contrast them too, right? I mean, some places have certain pluses and minuses, and you get to experience all those different great cities. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So let's look at what the Export Assistance Center does. So at a very high level, what's the mission? Create jobs here in the U.S. So we're working with companies to help them find new sales opportunities, grow their business, be competitive around the world. And in doing so, uh, their companies are getting stronger, they're growing, and hopefully they're hiring people here in the U.S. Okay. And is are there uh, export assistance centers in other cities in North America, in the U.S., I mean? We are all over the country in about okay. 100 different cities. Okay. Uh, basically, wherever there is a large concentration of uh, commercial or industrial uh, base in the U.S., you'll find an export assistance center there. And our goal is to connect with the local business community right. and be sort of an on-ramp for those companies to go around the world and, and hopefully uh, find new opportunities. Is it an advantage to be on the Pacific Rim? I mean, here, be here in Irvine, be in California? For me, it is. Okay. Uh, having focused on Asia, really, for the last 15 or 18 years, uh, Irvine and being in California was really, for me, um, a priority because I, I knew that uh, the Pacific Rim is where a lot of the business growth is in the world, and this is where I wanted to be um, working with companies. And, in fact, a lot of my clients here are, are focused on the Pacific Rim. And, and that includes Asia, but also uh, Latin America as well. Oh, Latin America, too. Yeah. Okay. Basically, you think about all the countries that Have face the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> right. Yeah, just uh, run down the coast. Yeah. probably, you know, 26 or 28 countries. Um, and, it's, and it's a pretty big, you know, it's... It, it's a big economic region. It's hard to kind of put it into all right. into one right. sort of cohesive economic entity. It's not, but um, you know, geographically, it's it's where my companies that I work with are focused, and it's where a lot of the economic growth is happening, and a lot of the emerging markets are. Is it a strategic advantage to have the port of Long Beach and the port of L.A. too so close to Southern California, Orange County, for Absolutely. people who want to export goods? Absolutely. Not not only is the physical infrastructure here. But the intellectual capital is here as well, and that's a big part of the port ecosystem Okay, where you've got all kinds of great companies that are facilitating trade, imports and exports, and have the knowledge to help companies you know, execute their, their, um, their projects around the world. But yes, it, there is a strong uh, advantage to being so close to the port complexes here. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to take it sort of linear, linearly for my audience in that... I'm here in Southern California. Maybe I'm a manufacturer of the best widgets, and I want to move those widgets into foreign markets. So th- the, the process is i got to figure out how to get it through the port. Is that something that the, your Export Assistance Center can help them with? Uh, we can. I think that linear continuum starts with figuring out where the markets are. Okay. And once you do that, figuring out who the customers are in that market okay. and what's the pathway to those customers. And once you've figured out how to get your product to the customer sort of intellectually or, or conceptually, 
then it's a matter of actually physically getting the product there. So you figure out who your customer is, get the deal going, uh, engage them, and then it's a matter of getting the product physically moved. And we have a lot of great colleagues and a lot of great um, partners that we work with to help with that process. So for those of you watching us on our YouTube channel, which is Richard Franzi, I'm holding up a uh, steel uh, water dispenser. It's a This is a thermos brand, so I'm not going to pretend like I make this. But let's say I made something not quite of this quality, but similar product. How would I determine who in the outside of the U.S. might want a high-quality stainless steel therm? Can you help me? Does the Export yep. Assistance Center help me figure that out? We can play a role in it. We can't um, answer every question. Ultimately, okay. there are a lot of business decisions in there that you'll need to determine what your priorities will be and where you want to ultimately focus. But we can start with the data. We can look at where you, other U.S. companies, in sort of an aggregate sense, are selling similar products around the world. And that data is available online. It's made uh, public by the Census Bureau. And that's a great place to start. You can see what other competitors or other companies around the country, where they're selling similar products. Hmm. And you can project where the growth is, what markets are expanding, which ones are contracting. uh, And that's a great place to start. Um, But a lot of times, it's it's not so much about the actual data. It's just, it's about the brand or the product itself. And um, trying to understand what motivates a customer to want to buy that product. And is it something, for example, uh, something that we see in Asia, if it's something that you put on your body or in your body, uh, there's a pent-up demand for high-quality, safe, reliable products because sometimes um, those products aren't readily available in their market. So I'm thinking so cosmetics. They're, they're looking for those products. And so you'll see customers that will come from Asia to California to the U.S. looking for those things, and sometimes that data doesn't always show up in, um, you know, in the in the aggregate numbers, but the demand is there. So I think mm-hmm. that's really the key issue: is figuring out where's the demand coming from, what's motivating customers to want to buy that product, uh, differentiating your product amongst all the others that are out there. Right. I I love. Um uh, I'd like to ring the gong whenever we have a teaching or learning moment here on Critical Mass Radio Show on octalkradio.net like this. Okay, so you just gave us one, and that is uh, look, if you're a, re- say you're a regional company and you look at your larger competitors who have already figured out where to export, you can begin to be aspirational about being that size by sort of swimming in their wake or at least learning from their experience and the Department of Commerce can help them with that. Well, you can certainly start by just looking at the data. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then there, there are all kinds of great um, reports out there and, in fact, there's probably way too much information okay. uh, to figure out where the actual uh, opportunities are and, and where that opportunity is relevant for your product. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we do. We start filtering out and trying to figure out what makes sense, Where do what, what do we see, uh, what do we think uh, you should look at? And then, of course, uh, we've got offices all around the world that contribute to that picture as well. And so, for example, if we've narrowed it down to a few key markets in Asia, uh, the first thing I'd want to do is talk to my counterparts in Tokyo, Seoul, uh, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, maybe Singapore to boot, mm-hmm. and, and get their input as well. And it, sort of matching up what we see in the data versus what we hear anecdotally and then what we're seeing on the ground in those countries to figure out what the opportunity is and where you should prioritize that that market expansion or, so, or that so activity. I think I heard you say that the Department of Commerce has similar level senior people in these various markets who are resources with relationships. So we actually have in-country knowledge in addition to um, people in this country who have de- data and research that they can rely on. Right. So before I moved to California, I was one of those overseas in-country uh, commercial officers uh, where I was working with a team of people in-country to understand what was going on in that market. And so uh, that's a great resource. It's something that not a lot of American companies know about, right. and we certainly want to share that with them. Uh, we've got these incredible relationship networks in over 80 countries around the world, hmm. all under the U.S. embassies and consulates where we work. And that's a, it's just a great uh, resource, great sounding board, and we, uh, we try to tap into that as best we can. When companies are trying to assess that market, that's one of the, the best resources that I know. Get, get on the phone with one of our commercial service folks in-country, right. talk through your product, compare notes, find out what we're seeing in that market, what what um, issues, channels, opportunities that we're seeing, and, and, and make sure we're sharing that perspective with our clients. Right. I mean, that's, that's sort of what big corporations can do because they might already have people in that country that a smaller player can't, and, here's, and you're unbiased, right? Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's all... Um, uh, we try to be as objective as we can, 
and we work with any company in whatever industry as long as there's a strong nexus of U.S. content, meaning there are U.S. jobs that are creating that product or that intellectual property or designing Mm -hmm. um, that brand. And... uh, yeah, we, we, we this is really a resource. jobs program then. Your, 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 your export assistance is really a, jo- a U.S. jobs creation program. That's our, our end game okay. is to, to create jobs through export growth. Wow. All right. Well, we're talking with Jim Mayfield. He's the director. He's at the Department of Commerce, and he's the director of the Export Assistance Center here in Irvine, California. We're going to take a very short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the fine work that his organization does. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these words. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Monday, October 5th is our annual executive conference hosted by Critical Mass for Business and me, Rick Franzi. I invite you to join us to discuss and learn about growing your business in new markets. I've invited Kevin Bailey, president of Vans and Action Sports for VF International, and Michael Houlihan, co-founder of Barefoot Wine, the largest table wine brand in the U.S. by volume, to talk, talk about how they use new markets to grow and propel both of their organizations. If you'd like to register, simply type in Critical Mass or Richard Franzi in the search box of Eventbrite, which is www.eventbrite, spelled B-R-I-T-E, dot com. This conference is sponsored by our valuable partners. Our title sponsor is Commerce West Bank, and our breakfast sponsor are our friends at HBLA. So hope to see you on Monday. Uh, This is by invitation only, so consider yourself invited. All right. Now let's return back to the interview with Jim Jim Mayfield, who is with the Department of Commerce. Um, There's a lot of people then in how many countries did you say the department we're in over 80 countries over in 80 countries so if i came in as a middle market business owner and said look i can kill myself trying to sell more in southern california or maybe i can go to a blue ocean which is a foreign market is there a what's the process to get from that to yeah here's here's the plan right. i'd start by just asking some questions okay. are, are you in canada yet what are you doing in Mexico? <laughs> uh, what other markets are you interested in? And, and what are the selling factors for your product that we might be able to find in other markets as well? Okay. Um, is, and so I gave you good answers to that. I said, you know, the blah, blah, blah. And you said, well, yeah, there's, there is a market in Canada and Mexico. And how about these countries? Well, I, I'd say, so do you have salespeople in those countries? No, I'm just a little $20 and, million. And then I, I would tell you, well, you just found your first salesperson. And that's me. I'm on your team. Wow. We'll try to work with you to figure out how to set up distribution channels in those markets that you decide are the right fit for you. So finding partners then in those key markets is what I hear you saying when you say distribution channels. Yes. Okay. Uh, sales reps, distributors, uh, other channel partners that are going to help facilitate the sale of your product in that market. And that's where I would say we spend probably 80% of our time is okay. trying to figure out what that channel looks like for your product and how we can introduce you to those partners in country. What if I said, I don't want to do that. I want to try to sell it online. You know, I, I have my infrastructure here, but I just want to put up a website and just attract business that way. What would you say to me then? You know, uh, five years ago, I would say proceed with extreme caution. And today I would say proceed with caution. Okay. Uh, the infrastructure for making that happen is is there. You can literally... Take an order on your website today, put the parcel in the mail or you know in a in a courier, and have it shipped to a customer in Shanghai and have it arrive in six or eight days. Um, that that infrastructure is literally there, but there are a lot of new challenges associated with that, like protecting your intellectual property or making sure that um, the customers that you're building 
uh, know that you're the supplier and building your brand uh, versus building it maybe through um, an e-commerce website in a, in a language that you're not really participating in. Right. So uh, kind of understanding how that, that, that customer is interacting with your product is, is something a little bit more challenging if you're over here on your computer and you're not in the market. Right. But it, but it is viable now. Okay. Um, and that's that's probably one of our biggest challenges within the commercial service is trying to understand how e-commerce is working, how it's exploding uh, in a good way, and then how our clients can, can take advantage of that as a good channel. So it, it, in your experience, and I, maybe it's country dependent, but um, are there more things to learn getting product out of the u.s or getting it into the market you know uh, where where's the regulation and the and the and the challenges um you know i think it's both i think uh inherently it's overseas that's the part that that we're less familiar with uh here in the u.s and every country is different so every regulatory framework every customer base is going to be different and each time you go into a new market there's a completely different learning curve right so i think that's probably where the lion's share of the learning is once you've set up the processes here in the u.s whether it's you know getting your freight forwarders your shipping your customs brokers figuring out your pricing getting the product loaded into a container and off to the port once you've figured out that for the most part you can replicate it but each country is going to be a little bit different and i think that's where the learning is that's where probably my clients get you have the biggest challenge is just figuring out you know country by country how to how to navigate that so it is a process of discovery yeah absolutely every day okay so um i know that you're doing a big event for those that are listening in southern california boy are you in luck especially if you're listening to us live on oc talk radio or you're listening to us as a podcast and it's before the end of october 2015 because you have an event coming up let let's talk a little bit about what event what is the event uh the event is a major export conference designed to help companies in the U.S. understand consumer trends uh, in Pacific Rim markets, uh, about 23 different Pacific Rim markets to be exact. And we're flying in my counterparts from U.S. embassies and consulates from uh, everywhere in the Pacific Rim, from Asia to Australia to the Pacific-facing countries of Latin America. And they're going to be right here in Costa Mesa, uh, October 29th and 30th, available to meet with companies on a one-on-one basis to guide them on their respective markets. And they're going to be conducting country panel workshops and uh, different conference sessions designed to help companies understand markets and understand uh, the distribution channels in those markets. So so this is a deep, uh, a, a deep dive. Well, it's a deep dive, but it's also we're covering a lot of different markets. So you, you would have to really figure out uh, within the Pacific Rim which markets you want to aim for. So... Is there any pre-work that they should do? Absolutely. Uh, figure out uh, what your goals are as an exporter. Okay. Where you think you might uh, be focusing on, if it's Japan or Korea or Chile or Panama. Um, pick four or five countries that you feel are going to be uh, a good target, and then use this conference to do a deep dive in those four or five markets. And if I did my pre-work can I talk with you and your organization prior to, so I'm sort of not walking in just with my thoughts in my head? Absolutely. In fact, uh, every client that signs up for our conference, we want to spend a lot of time with them in advance of the conference so that they can get the most out of it. Okay. There are a lot of moving parts with, with this event. Uh, on one hand, we're flying in all of our sector experts who focus on consumer um, channels. Consumer products, everything from cosmetics to nutritional supplements to food, apparel, any kind of consumer-facing product is, is what we're or service uh, or brand is what we're really focusing on. So our our folks from these markets are going to be consumer trends experts. Okay. Um, we're also bringing in a pretty good number of buyers uh, from around the Pacific Rim as well. These are companies that uh, are looking for innovative products from Southern California. They're looking for cosmetics and food and nutritional supplements. So they're coming here to find. Absolutely, wow. we've got I think twelve uh, international buyers who are going to be at the conference as well, and their sole goal is to meet with as many U.S. suppliers as possible, um, talk about what their their customers in their home countries are buying and and why they're buying them, and how do you become a vendor for these buyers or for these distributors, or in, in some cases, it's a department store or grocery chain, or just a, a, a distributor. Do they work for the governments in those? No, these are all uh, private sector. Private sector. Uh, and in fact, most of the, the clients, most of the companies we work with are private sector um, okay. 
companies. So they're business the people yep. looking for product. They're and looking services. for products, and so our our goal is to try to tee up as many U.S. products yeah, as right. possible, and then be right there on the spot to help facilitate not only those introductions but the follow up work that's needed. Once you've got that lead on the line, uh, then how do you execute it, and how do you um, figure out what you need to do in order to sell that product to Panama or to Australia or New Zealand or... Is this an annual event? Uh, We are doing these across the country. They're really nationwide events. Every, um, I would say uh, about every quarter we're doing one. We've got four that we've done uh, this year. Ours will be the fourth in the series. Uh, we'll do four more next year. Across You're saying the across the country. These are across so the this country. is the first one in Irvine, first Costa one, Mesa, and sometime. Really, the first one that we've done down in Orange County in a long time. Okay, and it's been a big goal of our office to kind of pull that international content a little further south because uh, we know we've got some Thank great you. companies here, and there's a real interest in uh, global business. We've got such a diverse community here. There are a lot of great companies and a lot of executives who are here. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't bring that global content right here as well. So we have CEOs of middle market companies, 2 to $100 million listening to this. Many of them are in Southern California, driving distance to come here, uh, or a short plane ride if they're Northern California or maybe in one of the bordering states. Who should come to this event? If you are a manufacturer or a brand owner of any consumer-facing product, could be a franchise brand, could be uh, a physical consumer product, or it might be a service that is designed for a consumer. It might be um, you, you could be a travel and tourism destination, or maybe a resort, or maybe um, a, a university or an educational institution that's trying to understand what are the purchasing priorities of consumers around the Pacific Rim, and is long haul travel something that they're prioritizing, or is it education for their kids, mm-hmm. or is it a, a pent up demand? for high-quality food that they can't get in their local market. And so we're going to try to tap into what those underlying consumer drivers are. And so if you're in the consumer business and you're trying to figure out where your markets are, this would be a great opportunity for you. Okay, so you've convinced me that a number of people should be signing up just based on this interview. How do they do that, Jim? Uh, The first thing uh, is go to our website, uh, which is export. Oh, it's www.export.gov forward slash discover global markets which is the series um, name and then forward slash pacific rim consumers or pack rim consumers and uh, get on our website find out more about the conference our agenda is up there our list of speakers our list of buyers and all of the countries that are going to be represented there so is this like tens of thousands of dollars to register not at all. Uh, that's probably the thing that uh, I should have mentioned at the outset. We do charge nominal fees for a lot of our services, but uh, I, like to, I like to think of our fees as laughably low. Okay. Uh, for the two-day conference, it's $395. Wow. And it's two full days? Two full days. Okay. And, and by registering, you can see the conference schedule and figure out where you want to be. I really think um, more than the money, it's the time you're going to spend there that you would be well-served as a CEO to pre, pre-plan your objectives before you walk in and sort of just let the moment take you? Well, if you if you show up at the conference without really thinking too much about it, you'll get overwhelmed by the content that's there, uh-huh. by all of the different moving parts. Uh, absolutely take a look at our agenda in advance. Figure out where you think uh, uh, the opportunity or the priorities might be for you. and Or maybe it's those, those countries where you've received so many inquiries through your website, mm. but you haven't really addressed them yet. Um, this is a great opportunity to try to figure out why are you getting so many inquiries from from that that market through your website and what can you do to turn those inquiries that you might not have been able to handle before what do you do to turn those into leads and ultimately sales and how do you address that market and this conference would be a good place to do that and we're talking with jim mayfield Uh, he's with the department of commerce and he's the the director for the part of the department of commerce that is specifically trying to help you as a u.s manufacturer export it's the export assistance center and i'm going to ask you to tell us one more time how do we go online and find your conference? Uh, go to export.gov forward slash discover global markets forward slash pack rim consumers. Or you could follow us on Twitter at exportoc. And if you're following uh, Pacific Rim issues, you can uh, follow hashtag discover pack rim. Hmm. And you'll find out uh, kind of our updates on speakers. Uh, trade stats about uh, Pacific Rim markets, what's happening in those markets. Uh, and so How many people would you like to have there over these two days? You know, uh, we're really aiming for um, the right 
kinds of, of companies, okay. uh, companies that can that are ready and committed and, and are, are in a position to take advantage of all of the content that we're bringing. Um, so we're not really going for thousands. We're really looking to bring in about 300 wow. uh, or so. And I have they to really say, get a personal. Uh, it, we're, we're trying to keep it relatively intimate in that regard. Um, and our slots are filling up. Uh, we've got about a month left, and I can tell you that we will uh, be sold out before the conference. Uh, so if you're interested, please right. sign up. Now's Get, the time to do it. Having putting putting on my conference, which is smaller than that, but I, I find that the if you looked at the distribution of when people register, it's when you get inside of four weeks. The people finally right. make the decision, yeah, I'm going to go. The, the tricky part with our conference is because we want to front load the preparation, we need companies to yeah. register in advance. Right. Otherwise, my colleagues from Singapore or um, Malaysia or Thailand won't have enough time to prepare to meet you. Because part of the conference, we're offering one-on-one consultations with my colleagues overseas and our exporters. And so the way that works is you share your questions and the markets that you're interested in, give my colleagues a week or two to do some research and react to your questions so that when they do meet you, they've got specific market intelligence to share that's customized for you. Right. But in order to give my colleagues enough time to prepare and to make that time really worth your while and give you customized information, we've got to get your information into the system as quickly as possible. So if you're listening to us live on octalkradio.net or you're one of those that subscribe and listen to the podcast immediately after it's been put up, I would say if you want to attend this, you should go and register and get engaged with the Department of Commerce as soon as possible. Absolutely, and and uh, I think it's going to be a great conference. We've got some I think great so too. we've got some great speakers, uh, real intellectual thought leaders here, international thought leader thought leaders rather, uh, who know how to take brands around the world are going to share some of their secrets and. Uh, we want to make that available to companies here in Southern California. I'm so delighted we were able to get you on the show, Jim Mayfield. Thanks for being a friend of the program and a part of the critical mass community. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for the invitation. I look forward to coming back again and, and talking exports. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, this show helped expose you to some new ideas, either in the first segment or here in our second segment. I'd like to thank our advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, And, of course, we support 1OC. Our engineer for today is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Joan Park, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about my business and the CEO peer groups that I lead, Critical Mass for Business is our website, www.criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until our next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show. Focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 